0: Hi friends, it's Jess here. Just before we begin episode 100, I wanted to take a moment uh, just to mention what is going on in Afghanistan. I know a lot of us have seen it on the news and how there's currently a crisis with so many people fleeing for their lives. This episode that I'm about to hit play on is a celebration episode. It will be a lot lighter in many ways. But before we head into that, I just wanted to pay my respects and send love from the entire between your family, to everyone currently in Afghanistan, to our friends who have managed to flee, and also to any of our friends who have migrated from Afghanistan in the past, or who have family there. I can't imagine what you're going through right now, but I offer you love, I offer you prayer, and we offer you action. Friends, if you would like more information about what is going on in Afghanistan and how you can support people displaced by the conflict currently going on there? Please head to the Preemptive Love Coalition. They are at preemptivelove.org. That is P R E E M P T I V E L O V E.org. Thanks, friends. Now we'll head into the episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 100 of the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. Can you believe that we are at episode 100? My name is Jessica Morris, and I've been speaking to you for apparently 100 episodes now about what it means to talk about the hard things, what it means to find belonging when you're a misfit or a rebel or a rock star, what it means to look for God or search for meaning in the middle of all this. I'm so excited to tell you about today's guest for episode 100. We normally speak to music makers because they have such a cool way of seeing the world. Today, I'm not speaking to a musician, although although apparently he wasn't a Dave Matthews cover band. Uh, Anyway, I'm talking about Ben Kirby of Preachers and Sneakers. Preachers and Sneakers is an Instagram account that's since turned into this I would say global phenomenon uh, because one day, two and a half years ago, anonymously, Ben posted a picture of a very well-known Christian pastor wearing really expensive sneakers. And next to that picture, he posted a picture of how much those sneakers actually cost. No comment needed. He just posted it and the internet went bananas. You had celebrity Christian celebrities coming out, worship leaders, like all sorts of people responding to this. A lot of people saying, how dare they spend their money on these sneakers? How can they wear this on stage? Other people saying, hey, you don't know where he got the sneakers from. It brought up this whole massive conversation about church hurt and hypocrisy in the church and actually asking hard questions like, well, is it okay for us to have celebrity Christians and they should get paid? Is it okay if they spend their money on things like sneakers? But what does it mean to spend money on like $600 sneakers? Like all this really mind-bending stuff that is really important that we grapple with in Christianity and in evangelical Christianity right now because it's become such a consumerist culture that we live in. It's really important that we try to dig through it and try and figure out where God is in that, if he's in it. So I spoke to Ben today about his journey starting Preachers and Sneakers. We talked about his own disillusionment with the church following the start of this profile, See, I just assumed that Ben Kirby, who's a businessman and a veteran, I assumed that he probably had some sort of history with the church, like some church hurt. I mean, I do. I think I know a lot of people who do. um, Because I saw a lot of the comments rolling in and a lot of the comments are from people who have left the church or left Christianity or just are really in pain. But I spoke to him and found out that Ben is actually – had a really positive experience of church and of the evangelical church. He knows God. He loves God. Um, He hasn't in that sense had a struggle uh, reconciling church and God together like so many of us have. And yet once he started this account, He actually had to start grappling with some of those questions and I use the term deconstructing because it's valid, deconstructing his own faith, actually figuring out what he believed, where he stood on things and what his thoughts are on what our faith or Christian faith should look like in 2021. It's a fascinating conversation. Ben is a really cool guy um, and he knows more about sneakers than I ever will. So I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. But before we get there, I know I'm making you wait. Before we get there, I have a couple of announcements because it is episode 100. One, thank you, my friends, for holding fast while we waited for this episode to drop. I had so many technical difficulties. My microphone broke, all sorts of things. It just took so long to get episode 100 up. I want to say thank you for sticking it out with me. I promise you it's worth it. Announcement two, we have a new website. Just as I've been promising for a while, betweenyouandmepod.com is live now. It is easier to navigate. It is so much prettier than in the past. Every episode has its own unique page with links to that artist, to the latest release, to their social media, even if they've released a devotional. I have a link to that devotional on that page. Seriously, we went to that much effort. So please go visit it, friends, betweenyouandmepod.com. I'm hoping to add some more things to it soon. Maybe transcripts, we'll see. Um, So definitely go check that out. One more announcement before we get to Ben Kirby. We're doing some giveaways this week because episode 100, as you can tell, I'm just a tiny little bit excited. So we need you to go follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with those giveaways so you can be part of them. So just shout out, go follow us online at Between You Me Pod on Instagram and on Facebook at Between You Me Pod. You're welcome. But there's a giveaway right now and you don't even have to be following us on social media to do it. All you need to do is sign up to our newsletter So at betweenyouandmepod.com, a pop-up will come up saying, hello, would you like to subscribe to the Between You and Me newsletter? All you need to do is enter your email address and your name and press enter and you are entered in to win. Are you ready for this? You have a chance of winning a limited edition Between You and Me Better Together mug. There are literally 10 of these in the world. And a copy of my book, When Hope Speaks, which I will even personally sign for you if you would like to have a chance of winning those two limited edition items. Please just go now and head to betweenyourmepod.com and sign up for our newsletter. I promise we will only email you once a month because I know spam sucks, okay? We'll email you once a month and it will have things like a latest episodes, family news. So like when previous guests have had something massive happen, like the lion bears just had their baby amazing and it will have a space for you guys to ask questions or to submit ideas to me. It's just a way of us keeping in touch and as I say on the newsletter I promise not to email you more than once a month unless DC Talk actually reunite and we know that's probably never going to happen so you're safe. Number three reason to sign up for the newsletter, you will get a previously unheard episode. So this episode I actually go through one of my favorite albums, Christian albums of all time. It's the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe soundtrack from the Chronicles of Narnia movie in 2005. I know. Niche. Random. It is the best soundtrack you've ever heard in your life. I'm talking Stephen Curtis Chapman, Bethany Dillon. Like, Delirious. It's It's an incredible, incredible album, and I have my guest host, Rachel Morris, you'll actually hear later in this episode, we actually talk about the album a bit, what it looks like if it stood the test of time, um, if there's enough diversity in it, and what it says about Christian music back in the day. So, go and sign up for the newsletter right now, just go to betweenyouandmepod.com in case you forgot from the one I said a minute ago, and you will receive that as well. Okay, let's get to it. You are here to hear our conversation with Ben Kirby of Preachers and Sneakers. You're going to hear a short bio, the who, what, when, where, why of Ben. And then we're going to get straight into the episode. Enjoy. There are three things preachers are passionate about. A good pair of ripped, butt-tailored jeans, sports metaphors, and sneakers. Oh, and Jesus, obviously. But when it comes to understanding the modern charismatic preacher of the 21st century, the Venn diagram between style, passion and Jesus is crucial. That is where Ben Kirby comes in. No, he's not a preacher. He's not even a member of some local church staff. In fact, this US veteran and entrepreneur is just your normal everyday evangelical Christian dude. Sort of. Because on the side, he runs an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. Maybe you've heard of it? You see, Preachers and Sneakers all started about two and a half years ago, when Ben, caught in a black hole, that is Instagram, thought it was worth posting a photo of a notable preacher with the price of the sneakers he was wearing next to it. No caption needed, and no publicity was necessary. For lack of a better term, Preachers and Sneakers went viral. And under the cover of Anonymity, Ben shone a light on the bizarre and concerning Christian culture around fame and really, really expensive clothes. Now, there were a lot of pluses when this happened for Ben. You see, it created great conversation online, and many people who had left the church or were grappling with their faith found solace in a spotlight that actually encouraged us to keep religious leaders accountable. The account grew to have hundreds and thousands of followers, including multiple celebrities and pastors. And it was featured in places like the New York Times, the New Yorker, the Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, Fox News, Complex. You get the idea. Preachers and sneakers was a huge deal. Which is why it was also equally as challenging for Ben. You see, for one, the preachers or famous Christians he featured had something to say about their sneakers. Some were open to conversations off the record and others just left an Instagram comments. Many actually became fans of the account, and some even became friends with Ben personally. But the thing about social media is that it tends to exacerbate our pain. And as Ben posted these thought-provoking images online, some people lashed out at the celebrities pictured. It was an awkward and fine line that Ben had to figure out as Preachers and Sneakers blew up and he grappled with his own theology about Christian fame, fortune and yes, even sneakers, all while negotiating these stories, pain and the passion of hundreds of thousands of people who had big thoughts about his Instagram account. A year after Preachers and Sneakers was launched, Ben Kirby revealed his face to the world. And a podcast and a book deal followed. The book Preachers and Sneakers Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities dropped in April with Thomas Nelson Publishing. Committed to asking tough questions, identifying godly colorways, and learning as he goes. Ben Kirby is still the Preachers and Sneakers guy, but he is so much more than that. For one, did you know that he's actually helping to raise a newborn son at the same time that he launched his book? My gosh, that's mind boggling. It is my privilege to introduce you to someone that we all would have been friends with at youth camp. This is Ben Kirby. So, um, Ben Kirby, people know you as the preachers and sneakers guy, but who, in your own words, who are you?
1: Yeah. I pay a lot in therapy to try to answer that question. It's... uh... It's a complicated question, I guess. But I, yeah, I am the unfortunately to some the preachers and sneakers guy. I thought I would have more to uh, say for my life, but right now I'm the preachers and sneakers guy. That Instagram guy that makes a bunch of people uncomfortable. Um, I am a I'm a Christian guy that grew up in Louisiana in the states and. I'm not a musician much anymore, but I came up playing drums in a Dave Matthews cover band.
0: Nice. And so, I,
1: uh, shout out to the musicians that are on this podcast. I respect the job. I also respect the, the hustle and the the freaking bar food you have to eat and the weird hours and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, music was actually a big part of my life until college. Um, I grew up in a small town, and there weren't a ton of drummers in in the town, and so I was able to get a good amount of gigs growing up, which was very fun. And I thought I was going to do music my whole life, but, uh, life uh, changes, (laughs) uh, when you get older, you know, the, not everybody that plays music for a living is on, uh, living in a mansion. And most people aren't, most people are making 50 bucks a show or whatever. Anyways, uh, I'm a, I was in the military out of college as a Marine officer. I did that for a while. And then I worked in leading a, a business in Texas, a property management company, and then went back to business school because I wanted to eventually run my own company. And uh, during that time, I'd gotten into sneakers. I was kind of making money on the side, buying and reselling sneakers uh, because there's there's this market, there's this resale market out there that you can actually, if you get the right sneakers, you can actually make some money. And so I had gotten savvy on the sneaker world. And uh, halfway through my master's of business, this preachers and sneakers thing blew up uh, out of my control by way of my phone. And two and a half years later, I'm still the preachers and sneakers guy. So uh, I guess the the short answer is, I guess I'm I'm an author and a podcaster and an entrepreneur and uh, an idiot sometimes and uh a guy that's trying his best but i'm not a theologian or an academic or even that much of a um uh, what's the word i'm not on mission to like reshape all of christian culture but i've kind of been planted in the in this the middle of this kind of interesting conversation an activist is the word i was looking for i'm not really an activist but i i do care about my faith and care about how our faith is um portrayed to the outside world and a lot of these things that came up from Preachers and Sneakers are very relevant to that so still seems worth discussing.
0: Thank you for doing the hard yards even if it just somehow <laughs> landed you here. I appreciate it. You also have a kid right?
1: Yeah A uh, the kid is as old as the book The he was born April 20th and the book came out April 27th
0: Wow. This year. It was meant to be And yeah, Not at
1: all. <laughs> ridiculous it's a ridiculous prospect to do both of those things at the same time it's our first kid yeah
0: oh congrats you're amazing you're a superhuman thank you and in a global pandemic
1: (laughs) yeah no no pressure
2: To me tight time we are bugging. Who's got the claws in you my friend? Into your heart heart beat again. Sweet like candy to my soul. Sweet you are, sweet you roll, lost for you. Oh, when you come crash into me, and I come into you, and I come into you.
0: When did your obsession with sneakers begin? It, it was
1: 2015. 2015. I have a friend that plays professional basketball, and he had just gotten picked up by the Golden State Warriors um, in, in 2015. This was the first year that they won the the NBA championship, and he had uh, he had gifted me a bunch of sneakers while I was actually on deployment with the Marines. Cause, so I – you didn't ask this, but my wife and I got married in the middle of 2014, and I deployed – January of 2015 to Romania. And so I was living in Romania after getting married six months prior without her, she's not there. Um, and so I think as for my birthday, while I was out there, my friend, Justin gifted me a bunch of sneaks to try to cheer me up probably. And to, um, I mean, he's just like super generous guy and and we're really good friends. And so I didn't care about sneakers before then, but once I got those sneakers, when I got home from my deployment, I started, I kind of have a an obsessive personality. And so once I saw these sneakers, I was like, Oh, these are actually pretty cool. I never considered any of these. I started learning more and more about them and following sneaker Twitter and all that kind of stuff and realized there's also an entrepreneurial angle to it where you can kind of buy and sell them a little bit just from your phone. Um, And so I started doing that. So probably August or September of 2015 was when I really gave sneakers any kind of attention. And then, um, 20, 17, I got pretty serious about buying and reselling sneakers. And then 2019 was when the account blew up.
0: Okay. Nice. It went viral. Yeah. So when did you realize that Preachers and Sneakers had actually made it, if there's such a thing as making it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird metrics. I don't know how you define success with this kind of thing. Um, I think – there's a, I mean, making it, there was a few moments where I realized, oh, this is a lot bigger than what I thought it was going to be. The, um, probably when I went past 10,000 followers in like a week,
0: Amazing.
1: I, I, without doing anything except just reposting a pastor's photo and putting their, the price tag of their sneakers right next to it. Literally, that's all I, w- I was doing. So like the first week, maybe I had 10,000 followers and it started to exponentially grow week after week after that. Th- then when my phone battery was just dying from notifications from all these people following and resharing and saying, this is my, this is the best account on the internet, blah, blah. And these celebrities start following and reach, reaching out to me. Um, I, that's where I was like, Oh, this, this is way bigger than me just making some comments about some sneakers. And then, you know, at the same time, people started to get real angry at me because they thought I was attacking pastors or being divisive or um, trying to, you know, erode Christianity's foothold in the world, that kind of thing, questioning my salvation, all that kind of stuff. So once I started getting the people that were like questioning my salvation, getting really angry, I was like, oh, this, this, this hurts. But also this is an indication that there's something that needs to maybe be unearthed further here. Um, So, and also when some of the pastors started to reach out or comment, um, that's when I realized, oh, this is, this is going to be pretty big.
0: Yeah. For, for people who are meant to love our neighbors. And I count myself in this, in this ballpark, we can be really, really mean and catty, (laughs) especially on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's It's very easy
1: to do on social media. Right.
0: Yeah. Very easy. Um,
1: And I'm not like holier than thou. Like the, the people are, I mean, I am very aware that people are mean in my comments section. It's just a matter of, I can't control every adult human out there that has a social media account and their opinions about people. So you know, at a certain point I have to set some boundaries, but yes, I I mean, the meanest people are Christians, uh, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of people that are fans of my account that are atheists or agnostic or whatever. And they have, you know, they have church hurt or they have, you know, like real deep seated issues with Christianity, and all that kind of thing. That's one element that maybe could draw out meanness or anything. But then there's also people that are very ingrained in church that, can have this very mean-spirited streak to them, whether for or against my account. And it's just, I've been able to see all sides of it.
2: You're uncertain, you're unwell Rags to riches, but your heart can't tell That don't mean you're going to hell that's how the story goes You're like a phoenix rising from the ashes But all you care about is death and taxes Being famous takes too much practice I wish it wasn't so I spent my twenties in the lights of the disco Trying to prove that I could be a hero There were times when it felt like I was winning Looking back, it only lasted a minute I watched my friends take over the radio All it did was drill a hole in my ego I forgot what goodness was outside my window Ain't that the way the story goes? I don't need silver linings I don't need so much I just need room to be wrong sometimes. That's all I'm hoping for. I feel like we could find it if we knocked on heaven's door. I say, God, I'm only human. You say that's what I'm here for. Hey,
0: are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey it's me again, big surprise I know, but you know what I love equally, equally as much as good music? I love a good band tee and I love a good nostalgic band tee which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our T-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. I really appreciate um, that you're able to see the nuance in people's responses and what motivates them. I know that you couldn't dwell too much in that because it would just be such a waste and a drain on your time and your energy. Uh, But -hmm. that's something that even when I've been looking through your account and seeing responses, and actually I had a question about it down here, uh, literally just about, wow, what's going on behind the scenes for that person, knowing that in another time that could have been me saying that. Um, Yep. And it's really interesting how you created this cool, fun thing that's interesting, and it sort of developed into something bigger than you because it's calling yes. out something bigger than us. Um, I listened to your interview with Knox McCoy, uh, which I really appreciated. It was so well done, um, and I—awesome, yeah, right. I, I loved how you you talked about and rephrase me if I got this wrong. You talked about essentially coming up with your own theology and thoughts and values around Christian celebrity culture and influence and wealth as as this account was snowballing, as it was getting bigger and you were having people call you and, and say things to you. What was that process like? Because that seems, on a personal level, so intensely difficult and here you are in the public spotlight, unwittingly. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of the been one of the most, I guess, draining elements of the whole experience is because you're right, like I I did not start this in order to discuss celebrity pastors and making money off of church or anything. It was I was literally just this average random dude that said, Hey, those sneakers are eight hundred bucks, dude. That feels weird to me. That was it. That was the extent of it. And then I by way of talking to a thousands and thousands and thousands of people realized that, oh, there's much deeper, uh, important topics that are just kind of the door is open by way of the sneakers thing. Um, And I had never had to do something like that before, basically develop a theology around a thing I had already started that people were already assigning motive and their own theology to. And like being asked by, mainstream media publications about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and not wanting to say, I don't know, dude, like people are sharing this and really think it's funny or really think what I'm doing is super important. And I don't know, like, I don't know if what I'm doing, like the first year uh, you, you said, you know, can't really spend much time on the nuance of every situation. I tried because people inevitably I would post about somebody and then I would get up. I mean, I still, this still happens. I'll get a message from there close friend or family member saying, well, you know, bloody blah. So-and-so gave him those because bloody blah, or he, you know, has never bought a nice thing in his life or he makes $40,000 a year or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm the type of person that is empathetic to, to situations and I don't love the idea of people treating others unfairly, but the, it seemed like a big macro thing was happening though, where, there is a whole slew of guys that seem to be getting rich off of just being a good preacher or a pastor. And in turn was leveraging that to even greater wealth and notoriety and all that kind of stuff. And I just started, once I kind of got my feet under me on understanding what I, what I was doing, I started asking like, Hey, is there ever too much? I mean, it seems like most of us can agree that private jets is something that probably probably, most pastors or preachers don't need, but where does that line stop? And should are we allowed to ever care about public figures that are also faith leaders? You know, do we owe them the Matthew 18 treatment or whatever to go to them in private when they're saying, hey, look at my whole life that I'm choosing to put on display? You know, I had all those questions and clearly a lot of other people did. And so I didn't, I didn't start out with any of those questions, nor did I really care, but clearly to, I mean, people will argue this, but I believe that God was doing something with it and uh, is still doing something with it. And this has been me trying to be diligent with that opportunity. Like, I don't know why he allowed this to happen or made it to happen, but he did. And uh, a lot of my theology around this is me just saying, all right, God, this is super uncomfortable. I want everybody to get along. But clearly you're trying to get us to talk about something, I think. Uh, and so I'm going to keep going.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you for doing. If not, it's exhausting. Thank you for doing the hard work in yourself. It could be. I know. I feel like in the hands of, and this is not about a specific person, but in the hands of anyone, it would be very easy just to post up things and get lost in the accolades of it. Um, Yeah. And I appreciate how hard you clearly work to always reassess yourself and what you're doing because that's. Freaking exhausting.
1: (laughs) Yes, but it's essential. Thank you. you. That's very, that's very kind. And I, I want, I hope people, other people, see that because I, it's very easy to come to my account quickly and say, oh, this guy is just trying to build up his own platform off of trying to, you know, uh, insult other people or call other people out. And I try to be quick to say, like, dude, I, I don't deserve this, and I don't know why this happened, but I'm trying to be responsible and diligent with it. And I could have, I, you know people from the beginning hopefully have seen that like the today show, one of the biggest morning shows in the world invited me to come on and I end up saying no to it. Slash. I also did this anonymously for two years. Like I could have yes. immensely built up my platform w- a lot quicker. And, but I, I know how, how that, how much to my head that would go. Like I love the, the feeling of people thinking I'm funny or sharing people sharing my stuff or thinking what I'm doing is important. That feels really good. And I try to be aware, self-aware about that so that I can fight against this idea that people are going to build me up as a celebrity myself or whatever. It's like it's an it's an imperfect battle, but I at least want to show show that I'm trying to not be just all bought into how great I am and, you know, constantly trying to build my own platform. Yeah.
0: No, I appreciate that. I have nowhere near like the fo- influences, followers, whatever that you have with your platform. But I know as a as a journalist and as a human, mm-hmm. I constantly have to wrestle with that too. and just be like, why am I actually doing this? Like, what does it actually yeah, yeah, yeah. mean for me when I receive a comment this way? Um, and that's that's one of the reasons I just so appreciate it because it's it's even on a small, small level, like whatever we do, it feels like it's a wrestle, but that's what I guess I would say about your work and even outside of preachers and Sneakers probably is what makes what you do in your life so rich and rewarding for God's kingdom. And now I'm sounding super preachy and I'm so sorry, but I just, I I, I, I value that because that's, like I said, it's not easy. like growing up in the church? Did you have, as much as you're comfortable, did you have church hurt? Was it all positive? Like what, what was your experience of church going into this last three years of your life?
1: Yeah. I, I have, from what I can remember, it was all positive. Like, sure. It, I, I was not a perfect kid. My parents did a really good job of Protecting us from the world when we needed protecting and then letting us loose when they felt like we uh, had a good basis for what we believed. Like I was homeschooled until eighth grade. And so I had, you know, I had a kind of sheltered upbringing. You know, church was a huge part of my life through that. That was my, basically my only social outlet at the time. And then going into high school and college and everything. Um I've been involved. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was eight. You know, which is a super good age for big decisions. Oh, absolutely, right there with you. Um, Yes, yeah. Uh, But I, I am very grateful that I just don't have any extreme church hurt. The guys that mentored me coming up, I even you know write about a couple in in my book. They poured into me, were kind to me, did not, uh, were just. Nothing but great, displayed Christ in a way that was humble and not self-serving, but was also bold and um, not sugarcoating the uncomfortable parts of Christianity, that kind of thing. Pushed me to study the Bible, pushed me to share my faith, all that kind of stuff. And so that was very helpful going into college. Once I got into college, uh, I, I got even, like involved with the campus ministry and was that guy in the fraternity house that was doing Bible studies and stuff.
0: We would have been but friends. Then,
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's awesome. Uh, And then when I got out or when I graduated college and went to the Marines, that's where, I mean, it's a very isolated kind of lonely world to be in. It's not exactly being a warfighter isn't exactly a conducive, like Christian environment oftentimes. And so I don't, you know. Wasn't reading as much. The churches were kind of terrible in all the all the places I was stationed because people were just moving all the time. And so nobody was invested. So all that to say, I uh, am still a Christian. I, I think I wrestle more now than I ever have before about things that I just accepted at face value, about many of the things that people that deconstruct end up rethinking. I struggle with a lot of those things right now or at least wrestle with a lot of those things, which I think is a good practice, but also it's it's a different thing than I've ever felt about being a Christian. Because for a long time, like, I mean, we don't have to get into this, but I'm reading this book on hell and how there's these four super smart dudes arguing about different interpretations of what hell is in the Bible. Either the annihilationists, the const like, uh, let's see, eternal conscious torment, the purgatory guys and then like the universalist guys that so like think growing up I was like hell is this fiery place that that sinners go that that didn't repent Um, but there's all but there's all these smart people out there that saying well actually based on how I read scripture anyways Mm -hmm. um, so doing the preachers and seekers thing has caused me to really wrestle with all the other things that I have held as gospel but uh, my upbringing has been very, very helpful even just for like a content perspective to be able to merge kind of sneaker and pop culture with kind of nuanced niche Christian culture that people that came up in the nineties would only get. And so I think people appreciate how I can do both of those things in a way that can appeal to multiple audiences. And so uh, I see it as a, I mean, I'm grateful for how I came up in the church.
3: Yeah.
0: I love that. I I relate so much to your journey. We would have been Well, we would have been sort of friends at school and church, but because I also, I I grew up like going to to a primary school in Australia, but I was still scared of boys. So I would have been like, look, it's my Mm -hmm. fellow Christian, but I wouldn't have talked to you until 16, but I would have appreciated your work. (laughs) So
3: (laughs)
1: I see that person. We'd be friends eventually though. We'd
0: get there. We would have started the Christian club together when I was in high school. Which my sister definitely started and I definitely helped with. So we're good there, yeah. (laughs) Y'all Obviously you started deconstructing is a word that some people seem to attack now, and I don't get why because it's just life, but you've started reshuffling, reshaping your your beliefs, what you think about certain theology stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, While you've been running preachers and sneakers and people have been throwing all sorts of things at you. All sorts of comments and questions, and I I know from listening to your previous work that in some cases, like you engage in conversation, um, and I'm not asking you to disclose any of those conversations. That would be stupid. But but you you engage with people when they approach you. Um, what sort of impact does it have on your relationship with God, if any, when people start using? the Bible or references about the God you love against you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, you're asking some good questions. Most people don't ask this. Like you, <laughs> these are very like detailed questions because like it shows that you actually have looked into this. So it's going to make me think about a non canned answer. Um, I, I know like, this is actually very good. Like this is actually gets my brain going. Um, because this is like, goes back to the very beginning and is things that I talk about in like in therapy all the time, because it's kind of uh, that whole tension is kind of anxiety inducing in that like, Hey, I, people are messaging me that say we both believe the same thing, but they are adamant about what I'm doing is an attack or is wrong. And for me, as a guy that has read his Bible his whole life, still thinks that what he's doing is not an attack or is wrong. And for the first year I was, I was engaging with basically anybody that would message me or comment, regardless of tone or whatever. Um, so I had these just hours and hours of conversations with people that disagreed and were calling me a hypocrite and a coward and that I, uh, didn't have an understanding of very key parts of the Bible because of what I was doing on social. And so that, uh, as a guy that cares about what people think about him and has emotions and isn't a sociopath like that is a lot to deal with at scale when, when there's thousands of people doing that. Um, Now, two and a half years later, I have a few more boundaries. Like I'm not, I'll, I'll block a few more people if I can tell they're just being jerks. Like I, I, I am, I, uh, let's see. I eagerly look for opportunities to talk with people that disagree but that disagree in a way that's respectful. And that isn't just uh, me trying to get you or to make me look like a fool or whatever. So, you know, at the first year, I just wanted everybody to understand my, why I was doing it, that I wasn't a jerk or a troll or whatever. And then I actually had some uh, eventually once I figured out why I was doing what I was doing, that I had a better motive than they thought um, just by showing up, but now i just there's there's so many people out there i just can't uh i can't have that battle with everybody the book to me while it's a little self-serving is something finally that i can point to and say look if you really think i'm a jerk and can't understand why i would ever do something like this read my book or listen to my book i'll give it to you for free if you can't afford it whatever Um, so that's, that's been helpful because for a long time, I just didn't have anything other than what I could write in, in DMs. Um, but it did to your, I think the crux of your question, it did make me, it made me sad and, uh, angry and still kind of does when people that are clearly Christians or say they're Christians show up and don't even try to understand or try to put some thought into the utility of this instead of just showing up and trying to ask bad faith questions to try to make me look like further a jerk where I, anything I answer you're just going to put back on me and say something else mean. And so like now I'm at the point where I'll just I'm not going to engage in that because I know it's just going to ruin my whole day. But it's it's made me really question basically everything I believe. Cause it's like, well, if this person says they believe in the same gospel that I've believed in my whole life, what is my actual understanding of this? Because either I'm super off base in what I'm doing and don't understand anything of what I say I believe, or this person doesn't. And I want to be able to live in the middle. So it it's, that's not my favorite part about the account because it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong or makes me feel like I'm hurting Christians or whatever, which I'm not trying to do, but I am trying to not shy away from difficult questions that seem to be much bigger issues than whether or not I should be posting pictures on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being so honest. I really appreciate that. I, for what it's worth, just another random person who follows you, I really appreciate how you approach everything with love. I know that you're imperfect and that we learn as we go and we do social media and podcasts and all sorts of stuff, yeah. but I, I appreciate that you have that posture because it is so hard. One of the reasons I started my yeah. podcast was because I lived in Nashville for a while and I saw Chris Tomlin leading an Easter service on stage. Nothing, I don't have a problem with Chris Tomlin, but I saw all these people in Bridgestone Arena eating popcorn while he was singing about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I was yeah. so frustrated. And I was like, judging what is this? I was judging people so hard. And God was like, but what if you're one of them, Jessica? And I was like, wait, no. no, 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 I'm not one of them. And he was like, yeah, but wouldn't you? I was like, oh, okay. I need to have conversations with people. And so it's that constant awkwardness of pressing into the places that hurt the most. Um, yeah. and trying to find the humanity in there without degrading your own faith or your own value of yourself. It's really tough work, hey? Right. Yeah.
1: While there's also not there, like I'm not a moral relativist, but there is some relativism to some of these things. Yeah. Like, is it is it wrong for somebody to be eating popcorn by, while watching the most famous Christian artist yes. of all time? I don't know. <laughs> I mean- but it, like for some people, it makes you feel a certain type of way because there's like some like, hey, this feels irreverent or it feels like this is, treating god's work as a show or something and if you just if if your posture is there's not a good answer so i'm just going to bury my head in the sand it's like dude that's intellectually lazy i think and there's many people online that are are wanting to be intellectually lazy and just say black or white whether everything is right or wrong and those are the type of people that turn off half of their audience or whatever or Mm -hmm. you know that you very quickly can become a jerk if you're oh gosh, if you yes. say this is always right or this is always wrong about everything. It's so um, easy to become so. a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And I I like I mean, I was a Marine. Like I I come I've come from a very cut and dry militant background where I have lived like I've ordered people around around to do very hard things uh and told them you're gonna do this, you're gonna shut up and you're not gonna ask questions why and this is gonna happen. And so I, I, there's many days where I'm like, when somebody you know says that one thing that I'm already struggling with or like that I'm already insecure about, and they already say that thing, and I just want to like reach through Instagram and own this person. Um, but so far, I've I've been able to uh, find ways to take a second before just snapping back or trying to be mean. But you're right, it is. It's hard to be nuanced and approach things in love because oftentimes people are not giving that to you. Yeah, it's tough. And it's very hard to just be like, all right, I'm just going to keep taking this over and over and over and over and over, you know? So.
3: It's all me.
2: I'm sorry.
0: to take care of yourself through that? I heard that you said you go to therapy, which made me excited because I'm just like, yes, therapy always. But how do you take care of yourself? Do you have to limit the amount of time that you spend on social media now, given that everyone's always sending things to you?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of things. I mean, counselling is so important to me just because there's not many times in life where you can just unabashedly say your entire piece and the person is basically has to listen to you and that just that act is is helpful for me as a guy that's got anxiety and depression all that kind of stuff oh we had a comment yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i don't think we're unique either (laughs) um uh the first year i i was doing like nine or ten hours a day on social like legit nine or ten hours a day and that is not sustainable if you want to stay married or even stay sane and so now i I limited a ton and I'm trying to get to the point where I'm not really on it. Like I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I have like a a media manager that does the day-to-day of it just because oftentimes when I post now there is some element of uh, anxiety that comes up because I still know that somebody in the comment section is going to be mean to the person I post about or whatever. And that like, I still think what I do is important, but I just don't, I can't, I can't bear that every day for every person, um, because we're talking about bigger topics here. We're not talking about like singular people most often. So, um, therapy is really helpful. Uh, setting boundaries on social. I mean, I my next book might be about Christians and social media altogether because I. The more time I spend on it, the less I'm like, you know what? God is super thrilled about this, (laughs) like super thrilled about the type of people we are on this thing. Granted, there's like tons of reach and tons of utility to it. But the type of people we're turning into, the type of people I've turned into oftentimes is like this app, this freaking thing shouldn't shouldn't be able to cause me one ounce of anxiety. This stupid like computer in my hand should not be allowed to do that to me yet it does even even if I'm not even like talking to anybody or like there's just unlimited things that can make me feel terrible about my life um, so limiting that has been super helpful setting boundaries I think delegating some of the stuff like I've basically done this account the book the podcast all myself except for having uh, I had a media manager in 2019 and then I have an assistant now that I think you've talked to Um, that helps me stay organized. Um, Delegating some of that stuff is helpful. And then having a community of people that can speak into the lies that I believe about myself uh, is super helpful too. So like therapy is one thing, but you need it. I think everybody needs a few people around them that know you really well that can say, Hey, that's not true. Or Hey, actually that is true. You are being a jerk online or all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'd probably say those, those three things.
0: Yeah. They're good. Nice. Um, I have some fun, fun funnish popcorn questions for you, but I have one more question that I'm curious about. Um, Okay. You have, you've talked with people of, of great influence. They've reached out to you. And again, I'm not asking for conversations, but you've talked to them. And so in some capacity, you've got an insight into the world beyond the screen, beyond sermon, beyond the expensive Gucci belt or the shoes. Um, uh-huh. You've met people in some way. When, when people of influence, Christian people of influence, um, have some public fallout in any capacity, there's a tendency for Christians to point the finger and get really mad. Um, sometimes, understandably, we need to ask hard questions when that happens. But has your access and conversations with lots of those people helped you to better empathize with them when the fallout does happen? Or is it more just a knowing, like that's just a consequence of fame?
1: I think the thing I didn't realize before all this uh, was that that reaction to people falling in their ministry is indicative of who makes idols out of who and who like the people that are mad and leaving a ministry or um, going online and ranting about this kind of thing. Oftentimes those are the people that idolized that person and in turn are now feeling the effects of that fake God uh, disappointing them as expected. Um, And I didn't, I didn't really see anything wrong with that before. Like I didn't, I I had, I was fans of certain pastors and authors, all that kind of thing. Uh, But now I really have to like audit the idea that I think any one man or woman is worthy of worship in a way. Like, I think there's a way to honor people and appreciate talent and uh, all that kind of stuff. But it's, you have to really check yourself if you have this like visceral anger about a situation that is far removed from you. So like any, a pastor or worship leader, whatever that has an affair, does something with money or whatever and gets caught. And now you're pissed about it. It's like, why are you pissed about it? Are you mad because uh, Christians now have another thing tarnishing their name? Or are you mad because you actually put some actual, weight and trust into this person for their teaching, their writing, their singing whatever. And now they're, they're eroding their place in your, uh, like on your shelf of idols that you have. I think many people have never even given thought about how they put certain leaders on a pedestal. And I think you should really check that for yourself because this is, this is going to keep happening. Like it, it's on us for like, we're the ones demanding uh, people with huge platforms and we're causing people to have huge platforms yet. We're shocked that they end up being humans just like us. Um, So like, I think there's, it's not just on the guy that's famous for being famous and in turn having a huge fall. It's on us also for like treating guys and girls as larger than life figures because that just makes it worse on them. Um, So, but having seen, behind the curtain about some of them, like, yeah, I, I I mean, I, I kind of empathize with people to a fault anyways, but now having interacted with a lot of these guys and, and seen like they have normal lives, they got families to feed all that kind of stuff. I absolutely empathize, especially for the whole, like uh, when the mob comes for you, when you do something wrong, like I get it. Like I kind of caused a mob to start paying attention to these guys in a way that they weren't, Expecting. Um, But that's a pretty brutal thing to happen when you screw up or you say something that you regret or you have something from 20 years ago get brought up and now everybody's canceling you. I at least empathize with that and I would hate that, hate for that to happen to me. Um, So I think it's, I mean, that's like the, that's the one of the root issues of having celebrities in Christian culture is that we create additional gods that are going to disappoint us and in turn, make us mad when they disappoint us. Um, and I think we need to continue digging into that.
3: Like an echo in my mind. There's a hunger that grows to the ground from the deep inside. Tasting what I couldn't see. Yes, I bit, but I found in the end that it consumed me.
0: questions for you that shouldn't take too long All right. um sure if jesus was around f- f- you know what i mean when sneakers were available what sort of sneakers would jesus wear Hmm. knowing that jesus has access to a wardrobe of sneakers so no one has to judge you for getting jesus wrong right. <laughs>
1: that's right that's right uh, i think i originally said somebody asked me that right when I started the account and I said like air max ones. Uh, but I think now I think it would have to be Chaco sandals. You know those <laughs>
3: yes, I
0: love that.
1: I think, you know, that's a like a modern adaptation of what he probably was wearing back in the day. Oh, and gosh. so I think that would be, yeah. uh, that's probably what it would be. Chacos.
0: It's the only one that would get you through the desert sand. Yeah. Good choice. That's right. <laughs> It's amazing. I wasn't expecting that. It was great. Um, what is the weirdest comment you have ever received in on Instagram?
1: The weirdest comment? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Somebody compared me to Martin Luther one time, which I didn't. I didn't want. Like I don't want. I do not think I'm anywhere near anything that Martin Luther ever did. But that the first time somebody brought that up, I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty dramatic." Um, people say weird stuff all the time, and a lot of it's not funny. People trying to be funny. I'm trying to think. I'll have to get back to you on it. I, I mean, I just there's like thousands and thousands of comments. Like, not one is stuck out.
0: I mean, Martin Luther. That's pretty. That's pretty high <laughs> praise. You're not a bad guy, but that's pretty up there.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Um, last question for you. If you could go back two and a half years or so before you hit publish on that first post, not knowing what was going to happen, what would you say to yourself, knowing what you know now?
1: Hmm. Some days it's don't do it. (laughs) Certain days, certain days, uh, I saw my like I my life could have played out some different, maybe more chill ways than this way. I think if I was going to still go through with it, I would tell my, I think I would tell that version of myself to message some of the pastors first to at least say that I did, um, or at least give it a second and ask quite a few more questions about, uh, the situation surrounding $1,200 shoes on faith leaders. Like I, I think one of the reasons people really liked what I was doing was because I was unabashedly posting without asking the, at the the first six months I was just posting without asking any questions, without caring for anybody's feelings or anything. And people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I've always wanted to do, but I wasn't going to do it. Uh, um, And I, I don't like, I'm not that person to begin with, really. I was, I was on some kind of kick back then, and knowing what I know now, I would just ask a few more questions on the front end. And it, it probably wouldn't have blown up the way it did if I did, but um, looking back, I would have preferred to do that. I am not
4: done changing Out on the run changing I may be old and I may be young But I am not done Changing I met me somewhere Changing We had some fun Changing Sometimes I wonder If she'll be the one When I'm done Changing Some of us stopped running Some of us went home some of us don't got one so we'll build one of our own friends behind their fences looking at me strange wondering when i'm gonna come to my senses but i'm still changing and i can't change my way
0: Oh my gosh, I love talking to Ben. It was such a privilege. I love that he was so open and honest that he thought about his answers. They weren't just pre-packaged. I mean, this dude has done a lot of press, but, but Ben really took his time with the questions I asked him, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Ben. Guys, if you don't follow Preachers and Sneakers yet, go and follow Preachers and Sneakers. It's at Preachers n Sneakers. You can also find Ben's book, Preachers and Sneakers, at all good bookstores. Now, I know that we both talked about his conversation with Knox McCoy in that interview, so I've included a link to that episode of the Bible Binge podcast in the show notes. You are so welcome. It is a terrific interview, and I absolutely love the work that the Bible Binge do. All right, normally that would be the end of a traditional episode, but it's not a traditional episode. To celebrate episode 100, I invited a bunch of you to submit questions for me. Ask me anything you like and you deliver it. So I sat down with my occasional co-host and listener of the podcast, Rachel. Yes, she is my sister. (laughs) And we sat down and she actually asked me some of the questions that you guys had about superheroes and recording careers and all sorts of bizarre stuff. So enjoy this chat I had with Rachel. Hey friends, I'm here with my sister and co-host for episode 29, I believe I called you Rachel Jane. Is that a thing? (laughs) Sadly, yes. Yeah, so Rachel Jane, who is aka my twin sister, Rachel. um, I thought it would be fun to mix up this episode 100 a little bit so you don't just hear my voice. You're welcome. So I asked a lot of you guys to submit questions and we had some really fun ones coming in. So Rachel, I have seven questions for you to ask me from the people. Or my own brain. It's a combination of both. <laughs> Go for it. Fire away for the people. Okay, I'm going to do a random order so it takes you by surprise. First off, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars every time. Why? I have actually never watched Star Trek, but I... I start... I, I've gone a long for answer. No one cares. Just Star Wars. Luke Skywalker's awesome. Okay. Like, is that your favourite character? Yeah, probably yeah probably luke skywalker is my favorite character and people say like what movies do you prefer the most i would say like the originals but i have an appreciation for most star wars um not that i collect the figurines (laughs) so well uh, yeah i suppose that leads me to the next question because you do have a figurine from the marvel comics first off What's your favourite Marvel Comics character and why? And what figurine do you have? Okay, well, it's important to state this for people who are Marvel fans. I don't read the comics, so please don't judge me harshly, but I do love the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Captain America is always and forever my favourite. And I own his bobblehead, which I bought on my first trip to America. (laughs) (laughs) It sits in my office bobbling. Actually, I think his head's broken. But still, it's okay. He's still Steve Rogers. He just slips in nobly, reminding me to do good work. I'm good with that. (laughs) Yeah, so Captain America, every time. I met, I quote, quote, met him once at Universal and freaked out and possibly nearly tried to marry him on the spot, but that was okay. that's true. You did. Okay, so let's talk now about something really important. Unicorns, aliens, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot. Are they all real? Yes or no? Obviously, because... Unicorns are real, so the rest of them have to be real. The end. Just can't argue with the truth. Okay. <laughs> so, um, did you or do you have a singing career that we don't <laughs> know about? <laughs> Rachel legitimately saw this one and was like, finally. Um, a career is a stretch. You had your own little show. I, I would say... About 10 or 11 years ago, I recorded an EP of seven songs that I I wrote the music myself all in the key of C major. It was beautiful. <laughs> My favourite song was, the, what well, the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, that's I, what it was called. I sang all about Jonas Brothers and their purity rings and how they gave me hope. There was so much wrong with that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so career is a stretch, but I did release an EP, which you can not find anywhere. And I had an EP launch slash concert, which friends and family came to a long time ago. You might, if you look up Hazak, be strong. You might find it somewhere on the internet. Hazak is H-A-Z-A-Q. Hazak, be strong. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, Or just send me an email and I'll send you some tracks. Okay, the next question is... Um, Let's do the ones about the pod self. What's your best advice for beginning podcast content creators? One, make sure that you have something worth sharing. Can I say that? (laughs) Totally can. There is so much content out there today and so much saturation. So you need to know in your gut that you have something hopefully (laughs) important to share or you have a niche that is different you need to make yourself a difference and it can't be about your ego because if you make it about your ego everyone can tell because people can spot inauthenticity from a mile away now so make sure that you're in it for the right reasons which is challenging you have to keep checking yourself i have to keep checking myself constantly um and make sure that you can do it sustainably so if you're in it for the hits or the success chances are you're not going to get it Unless you're like the one in a million, like your NEF Downs or the podcast with Knox and Jamie. Um, if you're in it because you believe in what you do and you know that what you're doing is important, then you're good. And make sure that you just take care of yourself along the way if you want to make it sustainable and not just something that you do on a short term. Because it takes a lot of work. Yeah, so what kind of things do you... When you talk about taking care of yourself and making it sustainable, what kind of things do you do to make that happen? Learn as I go. <laughs> um, a lot of it is... Uh, going every two weeks. So you you guys will know that there have been periods, especially last year, where we released weekly episodes, and that was intense. That took a lot out of me. Um, And I love doing it, uh, especially because I find I have a whole bunch of interviews stacked up and I really want to get them out for the people I talk to. But I find that editing, producing, all that sort of stuff every week is really hard. Even doing an episode every two weeks can be challenging at times. So it's about giving myself grace, knowing that you guys give me grace and being really clear with my contacts about when they can expect their episode. Um, so if it is a few months down the line, they know that I haven't forgotten about them basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on that note, like how do you get guests? I know a lot of people have been wondering about that. Um, One person once thought that I worked at a record agency, like, like, Lord, maybe I did, and I was like, I wish. (laughs) Do I have connections? Um, I do lots of cold calls and pitching in the sense that I email a lot of people. So part of my journalism learning was reaching out to people I've never contacted before and saying, what do you think of this idea? Are you on board with it? Can I talk to you? And I just used that approach when I started the podcast. um, I had a whole list of people I wanted to talk to, and I went, email this is my format i got a backing by jesus wide um, the website at the time who now do different episodes and i basically put together a press release and was like hi this is my resume this is what i've talked to in the past would you trust me with your story and surprisingly they said yes so that's basically how it landed it was a it felt like a huge god thing that and just trying seeing what happens Yeah, Yeah. I just remember you like constantly over and over and over again, kind of contacting different people, trying different methods, um, not taking the rejection to heart and knowing that that it's part of the process and like keeping on connecting with people. I thought that was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm really fortunate now that I've got some really secure relationships in the industry who will actually send me artist suggestions. Um, which I really enjoy, but there's still, I still have to take time to actually seek out different artists because I want, it's really important for me to get a diversity of voices and not just get to stuck in one, in, in one lane. So I, I enjoy being able to actually do that. And when people actually respond back, it's even better. It's really exciting. Um, only a few more questions left. Something that I've been wondering about is you've talked a lot about, you know, what it is to have a podcast and be really authentic, stay true to yourself and be doing it for the right reasons. You know, what are the right reasons to to have a podcast? That's a really good question. And I guess for me, the right reasons for me would be different than other people, I think. Um, This may sound really weird because I have my own podcast. I'm a journalist. But it took me a long time to be comfortable with my own voice. For me, when I started this podcast, it was all about elevating the voices of other people and artists because I would normally interview them, then sort of edit it in word format and give people a snippet, a snapshot of the artist. And I love the idea of sharing an interview so you could fully see the person the way I did and experience them. Um, So for me at the time, my motive was it's about others and it has to be about building them up and building my audience up. I've had to grow more comfortable with actually sharing my story and myself in that. So that's a very grey way of saying, I don't think there is one right way or one wrong way to do it. It's just about, I think, what you feel like you're meant to do, if it's fruitful, if it's self-serving, and if people are responding to it, like, don't be afraid to pivot and, and change what you're doing slightly so it reaches people better or so that it serves people better. I've had to learn along the way not to respond to things as quickly, like, early on when issues would come up which would happen every other week if that uh, and about race and all sorts of things and stuff with church leaders and at the time I was like I've got to respond straight away this is so important people have to know my stance people have to know what we stand for and I quickly learned that one that's really bad for my mental health but two if I haven't done like put the time or even a space into it then I, I haven't responded with enough I know awareness even I found that people would perceive what I was saying even more aggressively than I didn't I didn't anticipate it to be so I've had to learn to take a step back I think and reassess myself and learn from my mistakes even when I didn't do them knowingly if that makes any sense yeah like I find that interesting, though, you know, even when you say take take a step back and reassess things, you know, I don't even think it's about doing anything wrong because I think that's a part of growth. And also there have been some really big issues that it has been important that, you know, as human beings and as leaders, you know, in our communities, we do need to speak up about them. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for that. And I would say that to people listening as well. You know, we learn as we go, but there are some issues that, you know what, we speak up for and that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's ever bad to speak up um, in love, um, and for justice. That's always a really positive, And that's something that I've really admired about your podcast. Um, which leads me to the second last question and something that, you know, I've observed, you know, hearing your interviews via, you know, my iPhone or just kind of overhearing you interviewing people is that, you know, you talk about having a table and inviting everyone to the table. People have a seat as long as they're willing to sit down and listen and talk they have a seat at the table and so what i've observed is that there's so many people of all different you know ways of thinking and belief systems that join you on your podcast which i think is really cool what do you do you know to to when you're talking to people that maybe you disagree with or you know that there's going to be a whole cohort of people that actually disagree with them Mm -hmm. you know how do you you deal with you know these intersections of faith and opinion that you have on your podcast that's a really good question and I like that you added it in there (laughs) um I start before every interview I start by trying to vet the guest as best as I can and when I say vet the guest it's about knowing who they are who their friends are in the industry like do do we have mutual friends what does their music say what is their reputation um and who has recommended this person to me so I start with that and and sort of if if they sort of approach all that in a really loving way like we disagree on things but they approach with love and in learn in wanting to have grace and a lot of them it's like well they want Jesus to be number one and they want to love people then I'm like you have a like absolutely I want to talk to you so that's a first step uh, because it means that even if I disagree with the person there is space for both of us to find common ground in our story Mm -hmm. Um, the second part of that is really working hard in myself not to judge people Um, I, I find when I talk to people and hear their stories and we chat about their new releases or struggles, I don't, really find judgment popping up in myself, it's a lot easier. I sort of find rapport. I relate to some of their experiences. I see the humanity in them. It's later on if I see that they have been at events I disagree with or they have said this online or this or they're friends with this person, literally as petty as that, that I'm like, wait a second. I feel uncomfortable with this because in my personal life, I've got some pretty strong strong stances on things. Um, And it's in those moments that I have to go, okay, one, that's your point of view, and that's cool, but that's fine. But two, you know this person. Don't take what you're seeing right at face value. Remember that there's more to them than just this. That's still part of them. They have a right to it, but there's more to them than just this. And for me, it's about remembering people's hearts. So I go, is my heart soft? Have I come to the table willing to talk and there's, when I say willing to talk, there's an element where you have to be willing to speak truth in love. So that's when I say like, when I call for unity and justice, there has to be reparations. There has to be consultation. People have to be trauma-informed and we have to speak up about sexual assault and racial injustice. We have to speak about those things and act to change them in culture and in our hearts. But if people are coming to the table, even with different political ideals, with a posture of, I want to love others well, then we have something to work on and I can I can find commonality with you and my difference. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can find to love the church because I disagree with lots of parts of the church and lots of parts of the church disagree with me in so many different ways, some big, some small. But if I can find the common ground and the humanity of your heart and the fact that there's a God image in you, I'm okay. Yeah. No, I, I love that because what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, the... Because there are so many different opinions and it's, you know, it's not just on your podcast, really. It's what's going on in the world right now. It's in the church, but it's everywhere. There's opinions everywhere because it's saturated in social media. There's more conversation than ever before, but that means there's also more argument than ever before. Um, But I'm really loving that, you know, you're kind of saying, you know, there are certain things that we need to speak up about. You know, we need to talk about injustice. We need to talk about the abuse that people have experienced and be informed um, about things so that we can bring healing and be a part of unity. But, you know, we can do those things as a part of our loving people. And just because someone has a very different opinion than me, even around, you know, maybe it's around COVID, maybe it's in Australia, it's around lockdowns, you know, maybe it's around certain political issues. That doesn't mean that I can't actually have a meaningful conversation with them if we're both yeah. sitting down, having a posture towards each other, towards love. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I'm not going to compromise on loving people and wanting to have justice for people but i'm also going to have a very soft heart because only together when we're unified can we actually bring about these proper these proper resolutions to things and actually be the church that god intended amen yeah yeah that's good yeah Yeah, thank you cool okay um okay i've said there's two more but there's there is two more because i just have to add this in favorite VeggieTales character larry boy well, well, Larry the Cucumber slash Larry Boy, they're the same thing. They're one and the same. My, well, Our first car was a 1984 pea green color Toyota Corona. That was beautiful. And his name was Larry Boy. And it took me i was fine by the way just ahead of time it took me driving into a power pole to kill him (laughs) she literally like made the power pole move she ended up getting like a fine because she made the power pole yeah and you know what the best part was my wall hits 2011 cd was still on in that car at the time i still know that the motions and daylight by Revenge five was on there (laughs) Wow, that's quite amazing. Okay, last one, because I think it's going to be a bit of a laugh as we finish. What is your most awkward moment ever as a The um, Most awkward moment actually happened on this podcast, and I edited it out so it would not appear okay. Not this episode, a previous one, which will not be discussed. Um, someone once told me they had a daughter. I thought they said dog. And, <laughs> Sorry. And, and, you know, I'm obsessed with dogs. Like, absolutely I, obsessed. I love dogs, and I immediately said, What's your dog's name? I love dogs. Blah, blah, blah. And these poor people, thankfully, also had a dog. With their grace and love, said, Yes, we have a dog. Blah, 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 blah. And I edited that so you didn't hear it. <laughs> what, what was the dog's name? I can't even remember. That's Do the you know, know what part. the daughter's name was? No. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) I care. I promise. That's probably my most embarrassing moment. That's awesome. Any others that you can think of? Oh, there's been plenty of times where people have made jokes or said something really profound on the other end of the line and we haven't had a video call. So I've just missed the cue, and I've just been like, uh, and they've actually been like that was a joke and I'm like ah, that's, <laughs> that's 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 sort of part of my life anyway so that's just normal for me but social awkwardness yeah just a lot of social awkwardness which is ironic because I do this uh but yes that that's but that whole dog daughter situation that was awkward and I apologize if you're listening to this and you know what was you <laughs> okay so I think that's all the questions for now thanks so much for sharing your thoughts Jessica. thank you so much Rachel I appreciate your time and changing voices you can pay me in coffee Amen. How good was that? Thank you, friends, for joining me for another episode. We did it. We are here and we did it. Wow. Thank you to every single person who has helped make this podcast possible. We are still going. I'm going to still keep creating this. I love these conversations, but I want to thank every single musician and um, producer and publicist and friend who has encouraged me, who was taken part in this. Um, thank you to the artist who in the first weeks when I started this, who said yes. A special thanks to our producer for the last, I would say 30 episodes, Joshua Norman Media. Thank you for making us sound even better. You are a superstar. Also a huge thanks to everyone who has taken part as staff or volunteers in the last 100 episodes, thinking particularly of Mosey, I'm thinking of Alicia, um, to the people who supported us in our very brief Patreon stage, thank you, and to everyone, especially all the musicians behind the scenes and my friends in Nashville, who really supported me when I brought this idea to them and said I want to have conversations about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture, who said do it. Thank you for that. Special thanks to Danielle who championed me from day one. Also to Sarah Gerald, thank you for really shaping what this looks like. And thank you as well to my friend Trevor. Thank you for giving me insight and wisdom about this. Thank you hugely to the artists who took part in the first 20 episodes when there was literally no foundation for this yet except my email. Um, I want to thank David Crowder, I want to thank John Mark McMillan, Sarah Reeves, The Brilliance, um, Crystal Lewis. There's so many people. Ross King. um, There's so many people who took a chance on our new podcast and were willing to open up when I said, Hey, would you talk about hard things with me? Things that you normally can't talk about in Christian culture or in Christian music. And they said, yes, we are here for this. And they delivered time and time again. It has been my privilege to host your conversations, to meet you. Um, thank you to every single person who has spoken with me and, um, no matter how big or small your career may seem, I want to thank you for showing up. I want to thank you for doing your work, for being authentic, and for for being willing to grapple with fame. Um, I appreciate you. I say I appreciate you too much, but I really do. My conversations in the last three years have shown me that there is still authenticity, integrity, and goodness in the Christian church. There is goodness in Christian music. Um, There is diversity in Christian music. There is so much out there if you look for it and if you're willing to open up and have those conversations and meet people face-to-face, eye-to-eye, even if it's over a Zoom call. Thank you so much to every person who has shown up and to all you guys who have listened for being part of that healing for me and I really hope these conversations have have been life-giving for you too whatever that looks like please know that you always always have a metaphorical seat at the table with this community you belong here no matter what your past is no matter what your future is no matter what you believe at this time you matter and you belong here and you are loved this is uh bizarre but still a picture of what the church is, what the church of God is, the church of the God I believe in is. And you are always welcome here, my friends. So thank you. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, I don't know what you've been doing for the past 100 episodes, but please go and subscribe to the Between You and Me podcast now on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow us on all social media outlets at Between You, Me, Pods. Remember, go follow us on there so that you can see when we have giveaways and any other surprises this week. And if you head to our website now, you can sign up for our newsletter and be entered to win a copy of my book and an exclusive Better Together mug. Just head to betweenyouandmepod.com. You will also hear an exclusive episode of the Between You and Me podcast when you sign up for that newsletter. All right, friends. My name is Jessica Morris. It has been my privilege and delight to speak to you. Thank you for tuning in to hear from this journalist from Australia every other week. We are doing this life thing together. It is hard, but there is so much goodness in it and there's so much hope. Thank you for reminding me of that every week. My friends, I will see you next week. We have a special episode with Saddleback Worship. Until then, here's to hope.
3: Life hit you so hard that you've been knocked down Have you gone too far to find the middle ground Did they raise you so high just to pull you back down Have you been so lost you could never be found Cause I've been real, I've been fake Been a sinner, been a saint I've been right, I've been so like to be i been fake Been a sinner, been a saint I've been right, I've been so, so wrong Yeah, I've made my mistakes Now I don't know what it's like to be you You don't know what it's like to be me What if we're all the same? different kinds of ways can you can you relate we both know what it's like to be heard we both know what It's like to be me, but by the grace of God, we'll see each other's heart. Can you, can you